So we've entered into this time of Lent, and um, we're in the process of observing Lent and celebrating Lent. I, the church that I was a part of early on in my life didn't really uh, participate in Lent, and I was talking to someone just this last week, actually, about this, and I've come to really appreciate the celebration and the observation of Lent itself. Um, you know, it, we, have, we have Advent leading up to, to Christmas, and Christmas you know, it, it's filled with all kinds of great stuff happening all the time, but it's, it's, it's good to remember the main reason for our celebration. But when it comes to Easter, it's kind of like it's all about that day. It's just all about, you know, Easter Day itself and the celebration and, the, you know, so excited about all that's happened. But the truth of the matter is we need to spend some time leading up to that, thinking about all that Christ did for us, all that he made possible for us because of his incredible love for us. And so it's important that we, that we do that. Sometimes some people in celebrating Lent, they'll go ahead and, and plan to give up something. Possibly it's a meal or something like that. Sometimes an individual will pick up something. They'll start doing something they haven't done, like possibly reading scripture on a regular basis. Pastor Kevin has encouraged us to do that. And uh, I would encourage you to do that too. Now there was a rumor uh, this last week on Facebook about myself um, that it, I was giving up for Lent this year going to Chick-fil-A on Sundays. Now, that's not true. I didn't think it was funny either, but that's, that's not true at all, not in the least. You know, I was, uh, did a lot of preparation. Let me just ask this group. How, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on Judas? Let me see your hands, please, real high. A few of you, not too many, not too many. I don't believe I've ever had, I've ever heard a sermon on, on Judas. If I did, I'm afraid I was sleeping or something, but I, I don't believe I've ever heard one. I never prepared a Bible study. I never prepared anything for talking about Judas, and so I spent a lot of time looking into things this last week and reading. And, and if you know me, you know I like coffee, and I consumed some coffee as I was getting ready for the sermon. But you also know that I enjoy a good story, a good joke once in a while, and so I try to find that. And um, I was talking to Pastor Scott this last week, and he and I both agreed that there are no good Judas stories. There are no good Judas jokes, trust me. They're not out there. However, I wanted to share with you this morning about a, uh, a burglar that went into a house about 3 o'clock in the morning. And... Uh, he wanted to quickly get some things that he could, you know, make some money on. And so he was looking around with his flashlight. And uh, all of a sudden, across the room, he heard, Jesus is watching you. And he froze. And then he started shining this, the flashlight over in the air to see who was talking. And all he saw was, was a birdcage with a parrot in it. He thought, oh. So he kept on, you know, looking for valuables around him and picking up things and and a second time, the parrot said, Jesus is watching you. And he, he didn't want to be found out because of some stupid bird. And so he said, hush, be quiet. A third time, the parrot said, Jesus is watching you. And so he thought, I'm going to go over there and take care of that dumb parrot. So he started towards him. And as he got close, he realized that on the side of the cage was a, a sign that said Judas. And he said, what idiot names their parrot Judas? And the parrot said, the same idiot that names their Doberman Pinscher 
Jesus. Jesus is watching you. So I'm speaking to you this morning about Judas. Judas Iscariot, more specifically. And there are other men named Judas in Scripture, of course. Uh, Jesus had an ancestor that was named Judas, and uh, he also had a brother that was named a derivative of Judas. There are several others in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike that were named Judas. Uh, it was kind of a popular name, especially at a certain time. There was Judas Maccabees, and he was uh, a famous person at that particular time, and a lot of people liked him, and so they named their sons Judas as well. But this is Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot. His father was Simon Iscariot. This is Judas Iscariot. He was referred to as a disciple in the, script, in the scriptures. He was one of the 12, and it's also said that he, he was the only disciple that was not from Galilee. All the rest of them were from Galilee. He was actually uh, from Judea. And it's also noted that as you read the listings of the disciples, Judas is always last when he's listed. Ethel Greenglass graduated from high school, and she, uh, she got involved pretty quickly as a clerk and started working that particular job and enjoyed it, worked for a while, and she, she met a fellow by the name of Julius, and Julius and she struck up a relationship, and eventually uh, they got married after he had gotten his electrical engineering degree, and he went to work for the U.S. Army Signal Corps, and so he was working on for them, and, and, uh, and she was raising the two boys that they had. And from outward appearances, they were like any other American couple, any other American family. But Ethel and Julius had a secret. They started working to gain access to military secrets. Ethel happened to have a, a brother named David. And David, David worked as a machinist for the army. And he was called upon to work on a special project. It was called the Manhattan Project. And if you were awake during history class, you'll recall that the Manhattan Project was, was when they were developing the atom bomb. Things were going really, really challenging for the Allies, and, and they were trying to bring the war to an end. And so anyway, they, they were able to come up with this bomb, and he was a part of that process. And, so Ethel talked her brother David into collaborating with them and giving them some of the plans, and, and, and they took those and worked with some other co-conspirators and took those plans and sent them over, over to Russia. And the Soviet Union had them at that particular time. Eventually, Julius and Ethel were found out, and they were arrested and prosecuted for treason, and they were found guilty, and they were killed because of that. It must take a special kind of hatred for one's country to turn over military secrets that you know will be used against your fellow countrymen, will be used against your country. It must take a special kind of hatred for your country to do that, or possibly greed for money or whatever it might be. There are other famous cases of, of folks that betrayed the country in, in our history as well. Um, there are others that, as well in Scripture, are known as people that were traitors or people that betrayed someone. But there is no one, there is no one that is better known 
than probably Judas. Judas would be the poster child for treachery and, and for cowardice. When you think of the advantages that, that Judas had, I mean, he had been chosen to be one of this elite group of 12 disciples of Jesus. He had sat at Jesus' feet, and he had heard all kinds of incredible teaching from Jesus that others hadn't heard. He had also heard Jesus and watched him as he spoke to the multitudes. Many, many times he would talk to the multitudes. He was a part of that. He saw that happen. He also saw Jesus do healings and different kinds of miracles, actual miracles that took place. Judas saw that. He witnessed that. He had also gained a special place with the disciples. They decided to make him the keeper of the money bag. And so as people would give money to Jesus and the disciples for the ministry that they had, he would take it and put it in his leather, leather bag. And so he, he had all kinds of advantages, but, but nonetheless, when all was said and done, Judas became probably the world's best-known traitor. The world's best-known traitor. He went from treasure to embezzler. When you look at Judas, you discover pretty quickly that Judas had a problem. It was a money problem. He liked money. And Judas, Judas from time to time would help himself to the money bag that was for the disciples and Jesus for the ministry. And he would take out money from that and would use that. Now, I've been told that when people are involved in embezzling, they don't typically take a large amount of money at first. But rather, they'll start with a small amount. And sometimes, they have every, every intention of paying it back. It's just for something that they're in a bit of a catch, and so they think, I can take this for a while and, and, and return it, and no one will even know about it. And then sometimes what happens is it just begins to increase, and pretty soon they've embezzled quite a bit of money. Jesus had warned his disciples in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and money. Chuck Swindoll said that Judas had been cultivating a double life for months or quite possibly years. His charming religious facade kept a seething resentment safely concealed from the other disciples. No one suspected his secret sin or even thought to conduct an audit of the ministry funds. Judas also went from being a trusted friend to a betrayer. From a trusted friend to a betrayer. Jesus wasn't shocked about what happened at all. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And in fact, he had told the disciples about a year before this that it was going to happen. He said, one of you, one of you is going to betray me. And Christ told the disciples that he was about to be betrayed as well when they got together for the Last Supper. In Psalm chapter 41, verse 9, it says, Even my close friend, the one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Jesus quoted that portion of Psalm 41. In the book of John, it says that Jesus said that he was the fulfillment of that prophecy, of that particular prophecy. So a couple of questions for you this morning. Number one, what, what do you do 
what do you do when someone betrays you? How do you handle that? How do you deal with that? How about if it's someone that is, is very, very close to you? Possibly a very close friend or, or possibly even it's, it's a family member. How do you deal with that? It's noteworthy to mention that when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me at the Last Supper, that people didn't turn and point to Judas and say, it's Judas, isn't it? I know it's him. No, everyone, the scripture says, turned and said, Lord, is it me? Am I the one? The disciples had no clue when they came together for that special meeting that Judas was about to betray Jesus. They did not know that. If they had, I'm sure they would have all turned on Judas. I'm sure it probably would have gotten physical really, really quick. But the degree of betrayal that Judas was involved in, we need to, to really notice that because the chief priests didn't come to Judas and seek him out. They didn't say, is there some way that we can we can get to your, to your master? Is there some, something we can do? Judas went to them. Judas went to them and said, uh, I can hand him over to you, but how much am I going to get? That's how deep the betrayal was. When they got together in the upper room, Jesus knew, he, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him that night. He knew that. The table that they sat around was not the kind of table that you have at your home at all. It wasn't like your dining room table or your kitchen table. And the seats they used were not like your seats at all. Those high back seats sometimes or sometimes you're sitting on stools or whatever. It wasn't anything like that at all. The table that would have been used at that time would have been very, very low to the ground. And it would have been surrounded by, by sofas, small, uh, small, very, very low sofas. And people, they didn't sit down to eat. They basically reclined to eat. And so they would be laying on their left-hand side, supporting themselves with their left elbow and reaching for food and eating it. That's what they would be doing. At the center of the table is where the host always sat. Now, that was Jesus that night. And so Jesus was the host. He sat there at the center of the table, and the person to his left was always considered the most important person, the person of the, the guest of highest honor was that person. And you'll never guess who Jesus taught or had sit at that seat. It was Judas. He knew he was going to betray him. But he had him sit, literally, in the seat that was the most honored seat. In the New Testament, the writers have various names for Judas that they refer to him as. One was betrayer, one was traitor, another was thief. When Judas came up to, to Jesus with, his, with all of these soldiers and, and, and the mob that was with him that particular night, Jesus said to him, my friend, go ahead and do what you've come to do. 
My friend, go ahead and do what you've come to do. Did you catch that? Jesus called him friend. Friend, knowing he was about to be betrayed by him. Max Licato said, of all the names I would have chosen for Judas, it would not have been friend. You know, in the Old Testament, 30 pieces of silver is what you could, you could exchange in order to purchase a slave. 30 pieces of silver. And Judas chose to be the slave of Satan that night for 30 pieces of silver. Judas also went from a kiss of affection to a kiss of defection. A kiss generally would have been given in that day to family members. I don't know if you're, if you're Italian, possibly, you know, you give out kisses at your place more frequently than maybe some Pennsylvania Dutch folks might do, you know. I, I'm, not, I'm not really Dutch myself at all. I'm not really Italian either, but I kiss people. Well, I kiss family. I kiss family. We'll just drop it right there. Anyway, so... So, you know, I kissed my sons, they're adults, and I kissed my daughter-in-laws, the grands, right? But that would have been done. That would have been normal in Jesus' day. It also would have been normal for, for a disciple to kiss their master or to kiss the, the rabbi or the teacher. That would have been a normal situation, showing great affection, showing love, and, and showing endearment for that individual. But Judas has set up a sign. Judas has set up a sign with those who were coming to take Jesus. It was going to be dark out. It was in this area, this darkened area, the garden. And, and so Judas said, I know what. I'll, I'll, I'll make it clear. I'll kiss him. I'll kiss him. So hopefully you can't wrap your mind around what I just said. But here we have Judas... We have Judas who betrays Jesus with a kiss. A way of showing how much you love somebody. You also need to know that hours before that took place, just a matter of hours, when they got together in that room to celebrate the Last Supper. The disciples were busy talking about all kinds of things. One of the things they discussed was who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus nonchalantly got down, took the basin, and washed the feet of the disciples. So understand, Jesus washed Judas's feet. Just hours before Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Judas made the plan. He executed the plan, and the deed was done. And so the Roman soldiers took Jesus away. To illustrate it for us a bit in today's thinking, 
It would be almost like Judas had great parents and Judas was sent to this great college. He had a good cadre of individuals around him that were all good people. And still he chose to do wrong. Someone has written that Jesus had the best leader. He had the best teacher. He had the best pastor. He had the best and the wisest friend that anyone could have. And still he failed. The problem isn't the leadership. It isn't the church that you go to. If your attitude doesn't change and your character isn't transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ, you will always be the same. You need to quit blaming others and let God change you. Judas was so filled with guilt after what he had done, but he lacked the desire to ask for forgiveness. So as a result of that, he went to his co-conspirators and said, I've sinned, for I betrayed an innocent man. Well, what do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. He flung the, the blood money through the door and the bag landed on the floor. The traitor now, now unable to live with his sin, went ahead and went out and found a remote tree growing over a cliff. And that very night, he hanged himself from it. Judas had royally messed up his life. We can all do that if we let ourselves. We really can't. If we aren't willing to allow God to change us at our core, really change us by his power, by the saving power of Jesus Christ, then we have no idea what we'll sing to. Pam Federoff is going to sing a song for us at this time entitled The Brush. All the colors and the pieces so wrong. 
possible, you know, that um, we can come to Jesus and his power of his blood can make the changes in our lives. When we bring our sins to him, when we bring our life to him, he's able to make a masterpiece. But if we do it on our own, that doesn't happen. Today, if you've never made that decision to receive Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that today. It's interesting. Judas hung around with the right people. He was with the other disciples. They didn't know. It's possible for a person to hang around church, never really come to that decision, never come to that step of actually receiving Christ. you've never done that yet, let me just encourage you to do that just now. I'm going to say a prayer out loud and you can say it in your own heart. But if you haven't done that yet, I would encourage you to do that. To give Jesus all of you. Just repeat in your your own heart this morning, Lord Jesus, I know I have a need of you. A need that only you can fulfill. bring to you my sins I've not been like like Judas but the scripture says all we like sheep have gone astray all to our own ways we're not we don't always do the same stuff but still we need a we need a savior and so just now I make Jesus Christ my savior come into my heart Transform me by your power. 
make me into your child. In Jesus' name.